0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: Fall guy. That's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into?
1: Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Uh, that was the craziest thing. I did not expect to get choked in a meeting by Gunther. Cunningham. <laughs> by Gunther. <laughs>
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever or wherever you are listening to The Helipod. Thank you very much for subscribing and downloading The Helipod, as always, presented by Viore. These clothes truly have become a staple of my wardrobe for the last couple of years. The finest in athleisure wear that you will find anywhere. Shorts, pants, joggers, t-shirts, hoodies jackets, board shorts. They have it all. You can wear it to go to hot yoga. You can wear it to hoop in. You can wear it to run in. You can wear it to lounge in. And if you're one of the ones who is lucky enough to actually be traveling around these days, uh, it's my go-to travel apparel as well. Trust me, all of my friends, every single one that I have recommended Viore to has absolutely loved it. For men, for women alike, they have awesome joggers, fantastic shorts. I love the course. My uh, friends love the shorts as well. Vioriclothing.com slash helipod. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod. Gets you 20% off today. Do it. I promise you won't be sorry. It's uh, athleisure wear with an edge. So that's Viori. And this is the helipod with the NFL wine guy, Will Blackman joining us. Played in the league for over a decade uh, with the Redskins and the Jags and the Packers. He's a Super Bowl champion with the Giants, and he has a lot going on right now. We get into all of it. It's the Helipod, presented by Vior. Well, I must say, this is a first, uh, drinking wine <laughs> on the Helipod with uh, NFL wine guy, Will Blackman. Listen,
1: that's the, that's the only way. This is uh, this is a little rosé we have here. Little rosé, not just any rosé. It is Healy rosé, made by Drew Bledsoe himself.
0: Wow, that's so, uh, so you got
1: some NFL wine here.
0: That's that's pretty strong stuff from uh, from a, a, a great quarterback, one of the first 100 million dollar quarterbacks. The man who, of course, was replaced by Tom Brady, and is making a pretty good name for himself. Beyond as that, a wine yeah, guy, right? no, he's
1: he's a force to be reckoned with in the wine world, based out of um, Walla Walla, Washington, uh, which is. Uh, where he is from and resides so it's it's pretty cool man
0: yeah well we'll get into the whole wine thing here in a minute um i want to uh, i want to talk a little <laughs> by the, bit hold on by the what way hold by, on. no
1: no by the way nice beard
0: yeah i've been working on that
1: dude for about <laughs> four thing, months now that thing is that thing has six colors man you uh
0: yeah it's a little gray but you know i felt a lot better when i noticed that LeBron. Had some gray in his beard. Did you notice really? that? Really? He has the big Abe Lincoln beard. He does it's have huge. the big Abe Lincoln beard, and, yeah. And right kinda underneath, uh, he has two gray patches. And I watched some of the some of the scrimmages last week. And That's said, from okay. carrying
1: all those teams, man. You know, it's stressful.
0: Boy, hell yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> but I'll take I'll take the little grip. My kids told me I needed to uh, I needed to color it.
1: And nah, man, that, you got to keep it authentic. Yeah. Season is the way to go. I'm not doing that for men. Season works. Women is different. They they need to color. Oh, well, of course. They hundreds
0: and hundreds of dollars every few weeks <laughs> to get that hair colored repeatedly. <laughs> my favorite thing was when my wife went in and she got it highlighted, and then it was too. There was too many highlights. So then she paid to go get the lowlights put in. I'm like, well, if you had done nothing, I never heard lowlights. There's yeah, lowlights. There's highlights and there's lowlights. Get your shit together. Well, I'm sorry, bro. Come on, man. I did not. I can't believe we just started off the podcast talking about rosé <laughs> and woman head highlights and lowlights. <laughs> a new low or a new high here. It's all good. On a pie. Well, Will, as uh, I'm sure most of you are aware, is uh, uh, an NFL player for over a decade yeah. um, for uh, several different teams, including the Green Bay Packers and my Washington Redskins and the Giants and the Jags. And um, it was, uh, you were the, how would you describe your career? Journeyman? Survivor. Survivor. Straight up. Because I don't want to say, I was going to say grinder, but you, you survived for 10 years I would say in the survi- league as a yeah. fourth round draft pick.
1: I would, I would say survivor simply, um, one, I had nine surgeries. You know, my, my very first practice in the NFL, mini camp with the Packers, I broke my foot. Mm. First play snapped it in half, well, not first practice, first practice, snapped my foot in half and put me down for four months. And ever, ever since then, you know, it was a domino effect. As one injury goes and something else hurts, something else hurts, so it was a battle to truly, you know, protect my roster spot. And then just to keep fighting for a position, even when I became a, a starter, an everyday starter, every year I knew like it was on the line for me. So just surviving injuries, surviving coaching, surviving front office all that stuff so I, w- I would say it, it, it was it was that even though I had fun and I was really thankful because that was the only thing I ever I wanted to do was play in the NFL that was it and it's, it's like a it's like a marriage man it's like you gotta love the good and the bad <laughs> yeah well it's it's just so different right you were right
0: uh, you played both ways at Boston College
1: right? I played yeah, both sides I of the I mean football. you were you
0: were a, a two-way star you were there with with Matty Ice um yeah. at BC you were a fourth round pick of the Packers um, and you were part of that, you were part of a really good draft class. You had Greg Jennings and A.J. Hawk coming in, yep. is that correct? Greg in Jennings, was, A.J. Hawk. 2006. Yep. Um, and that was, that was an interesting year because in the fourth round that year, you had Owen Daniels, Michael Robinson, your former co-worker at NFL Network, Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, I
1: was going to say, yep.
0: Uh, Elvis Dumerville, Willie Colon, and yep. Barry Cofield. Did you play with Barry with the Giants? Or did I, you guys I did miss play him? Barry with the Giants, yep. um, So So a lot of good players that lasted a long time in the league. Uh, in the fourth round that year and, and Green Bay was coming off a four and twelve season. Yep. Favre was still at quarterback. <laughs> and you're coming into Green Bay from Boston. Dog. What do you remember about that no. first year? So
1: here's what's crazy. What what I learned, they said during a draft, usually you get usually we'll get drafted by teams you really haven't spoken to. And I never talked to Green Bay ever. I honestly thought I was going to the Giants. I thought I was going to the Dolphins actually the number one team I thought was the Chiefs. I met with with Herm Edwards so many times. So I, do I remember my pro day, they were out there. I got two stories for you with Herm. So at my pro day, they worked me out and then we went into the film room and he's like, "Hey man, come have a seat." And so me and Herm are watching film and it is all my bad stuff. It is 20 minutes of bad shit. Oh wow. Film. Oh, you kidding me? I'm like, bro, put in some like good plays, man. He goes, <laughs> no. He said, I want to see how you react. What about this? And it was horrible. That's one story. And Herm's a former DB, of course. Former DB, yeah. Uh, the other story is, <laughs> at the combine, right? You you get your car, you get your list of teams, you go meet with them in, in their hotel rooms, and I get in there with Herm Edwards and Gunther Cunningham, right? So they sit me down in the chair, just like this, and they're going through situations. They go, they say, what if, what if you're in a club and, he, and Gunther gets up and he says, What if you're in a club and a guy just starts choking you just like this? He puts his hands right on my throat. And Gunther Cunningham? Yes. He said, What if you're in a club and a guy just goes just like this, chokes you, chokes you around your neck? And honestly, I just lost it. I was laughing so hard. I, was, <laughs> I figured you'd do some type of MMA move or no, something. No, I, I said, I got guys, I can't take you guys seriously. I can't. I said, this is, this is hilarious. He goes, but what would you do? I said, I, I guess I would have to call law enforcement. I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? I, and that I, I, was the craziest thing because I did not expect to get choked in a meeting. By Gunther Cunningham. By Gunther Cunningham.
0: That's crazy because he always, he always, I've never interviewed Gunther. I've never talked to him, but he just seems like kind of an old
1: school football. He was, yeah, he was old no school. No he, he was really cool. I, but I heard, too, they tried that with Mario Williams. I think Mario did knock him down. <laughs> That's what I heard. I swear, I kid you not. I kid you not. So that was interesting, man. And I was, my only visit was I, I took a trip to the Steelers, and, they, and uh, Coach Cower was like, yeah, man, I got, um, we got the 30-second pick. Yeah. So you're,
0: you're, you're thinking you could go in the
1: first round. They mentioned it. Right. They got Santonio. It worked out for them. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> so. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so it was so funny. I remember when the phone rang. One, first of all, during the draft day, I was so fed up because it, it's not it's not where you got drafted, it's who got drafted before you. That's, that's kind of what bothers people. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet today. Uh, somebody was like, NFL players are, or people are still mad about people are arguing over the top 100, and I'm like. Yes, people are, players are arguing about it because it goes all the way back to like the high school rankings, right? You see who got four stars, who got three stars, mm-hmm. who got five stars. Just like, man, I played against that guy. How did he get five stars? Same thing, college rankings. How did he make you know, all-conference? I beat him. Same well, so, th- who
0: pissed you off the most that they went ahead of you?
1: There were a lot of players, man. <laughs> but there <laughs> had to be somebody. You're doing your job right now. There had
0: to be somebody that you saw. You're like, come but on. But they were man. just, like,
1: okay, here's the thing. Let me just put it like this. When it's all was said and done, there were, there was like four corners that were still in the league after 10 years. I think it was me, Cromarty, John Joseph was still rolling. Yeah. Um, I forget who else was it, but they were just a bunch of guys that I actually lined up against when I played receiver and also guys who I have covered when I played corner. And I was just like, man, it was a long day. So finally... Th- I got the call, 920. So you're not going to answer that question? Not at all. <laughs> so 920. <laughs> I have no enemies, Dan. Okay. I don't want to create. Right. Any. Hey, fair enough. Fair no, enough. I, I hate, had to ask. I can't be bitter. That was, what, 14 years ago? I can't be bitter We've right both now. done our job now. We did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I see the 920. I was like, Green Bay? I was like, oh, shoot, man. <laughs> this, I think this is the call. And I answer, and it was George Coons. He's like, hey man, you ready to come be a Packer? I was like, okay, what position? He was like, DB. I was like, no problem. So did you think, did you not know whether you were gonna play offense or defense in the league? I didn't know. I felt like I was getting action from both, uh, both positions, but there was one meeting in particular. I met with the Atlanta Falcons in the hallway at the combine and their player director was like, hey man, you know, we're looking at you as a free agent receiver. We'll pick you up then. I was like, bro, I'm getting drafted. I, don't know what to I was like, fuck that. I'm you're playing like, DB. that, buddy. I said, I'm not playing receiver. I'm playing DB. So every team, I was like, DB, DB, DB. Because you just felt like you had a better shot at, at DB. Well, yeah, and that that right there, that alone, when he was like, we'll probably pick you up as a free agent receiver, I was like. Forget
0: that. That's not what you want to hear when no. you're a college kid coming out.
1: I'm at the combine. Like, these are the guys who are projected to get drafted, first of all. Right. So, but imagine that. Imagine going to Pittsburgh, meeting with them, and they got the 32nd pick in the first round, and you talk to Atlanta, he's like, yeah, you know, after the draft, free agent, we're gonna pick you up. That's two opposite ends of the spectrum Dude, right there. So what,
0: you just, so you really had no idea, obviously you were hoping, wow, I could go to Pittsburgh
1: in the first round, but you, so you
0: kind of landed right in the middle of that.
1: One. Honestly, my range was two to five. And that's, yeah.
0: that's, that's where exactly yeah. where you went. So.
1: Were you, when
0: you look back, obviously you're, you're bugged, as a lot of guys are, by the guys that go in front of them. But when you look back, was, was Green Bay the right situation for you?
1: I think Green Bay was the right situation because my issue was I can do a lot of things, but I never really mastered one position. Right. And the one thing I definitely lacked uh, going into the NFL was uh, learning how to study and watch film. I, was, I didn't. I had no clue. I, in college, I didn't even look at my defensive playbook. I literally went rogue every play. <laughs> so <laughs> it's either interception or a touchdown. It was one <laughs> of the two. <laughs> either I gave something up or I picked something off. It was crazy until I went to offense, and I had to study because we had a real uh, disciplined coach, and it was like you better be at your spot. And and the reason I say that why Green Bay was the right spot is because the same year I got drafted is the same year we signed Charles Woodson, who I. I mean, the dude was my wallpaper on my computer. <laughs> you know That's what I'm saying? Pretty awesome, yeah. Which is also creepy because he was on my team and one time he came over to the house and I forgot it was still on my computer. I and feel I, like I, you told me the story. I before. think I did. And did I, he see it? No, he didn't see it, because I changed it before he came over. But, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, and I say this because I think it was my second year and I remember like I'm not making any plays on defense. And every game, I my uniform is filthy from like diving, diving, and trying too hard. And I'm looking at Charles, and he's spotless, and he got two picks. Like he didn't, he didn't break a sweat, and he has two interceptions, one for a touchdown every single game. And I just told myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna learn how to watch some damn film because I need to make some damn plays. Because he knew where to be. He just knew where to be. I didn't, but he, but he also didn't practice. So that's, re- that's what really messed with my mind. Like, he didn't practice. You've never seen him. And he show up Sunday like uh, Jason Bourne making plays, dude. <laughs> so it was wild. And I remember one night I went back to the facility. And I'm like, I'm just going to figure this out. And I go into our defensive back room. And I look and I see the fluorescent light from the projector was on. And I look in there and he's in there. It's like 8 o'clock at night. He's like, hey, he said, like, come on in here, Will. He said, like, have a seat. I'm going to show you some stuff and so I literally sat down and got a full lesson from Charles on formations, um down and distances, splits, concepts. And he's and he literally was like he's like, "Hey, I'll watch film and I'll find tendencies. If, some, if something sh- shows up more than 3 times, I'm jumping it."
0: So you learned how to study game film from Charles Woods. From
1: Charles. That's that's what really really started for me, I was like, man, it's all about situational football. Because everybody's fast, right? Everybody's strong. Everybody has some kind of mutant ability. Right. But the difference is the mind. Look at, look at Marvel. Who are the strongest characters? The ones that can read your mind, right? That's, you're right. <laughs> no, it's a, gra- a great point. And,
0: and I, I think it's so often you hear fans talk about players who are, you know, back end of the roster guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm like, you don't understand. These are, I mean, some of the most elite athletes in the world. There's right. only how many guys in the league? 1,500 guys. About that, exactly, you know? yeah. Um, so that, that is interesting. It was such a, a mind game for you, and it took you until your second year to figure it out. But to, to get to Green Bay as a rookie with Charles Woodson, Al Harris was, was the other Woods corner. Charles Woodson, Al Harris. And, uh, and Mike, M- McCarthy, Mike McCarthy was in his first it's year. was his first year. Brett Favre was in his second to last year. I mean, you're getting there with hall of fame action more. oh yeah and then you break your foot first practice
1: break my foot first yeah we had a ma green he was running back that's right yeah batman batman
0: but that was was that mentally draining for you because i think your rookie year you played in what four games
1: uh i think so it was draining because you're so your mind is so fixed on like okay you can't get hurt because if you get hurt they're gonna cut you right that was my whole mindset and i remember Al Harris reassured me, He was like, well, they drafted you because they want you here. They want you to play. And I'm like, yeah, but I went fourth round. They said, well, that's where they got you. They had no choice. You know what I'm saying? And um, that was the tough part. Cause I remember I, that my whole rookie year, broke my foot, came back in, and then in practice, collided knees with somebody. And then I put ice on my, actually, I didn't put ice on it. They put ice on my knee too damn long.
0: <laughs> Is that right?
1: It, and it ended up freezing one of my nerves and I had drop foot. So then I—this is the weirdest thing, dude, trust me. So then I came back after having drop foot, and then I remember playing against the Vikings, and I got blindsided and broke a rib. So my first year was just—I just— took a bath in Guinness every day because I was so, <laughs> I was so fed up. Surprised it wasn't, it wasn't red wine. No, I started with Guinness, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And then, then you, then you moved on. I moved on. Well, yeah. so, so Green Bay, you're there, you're there four seasons, your second season, you play in nine games, you guys go to the NFC championship game, and that was Favre's last year. Were you, did you get caught up in any of that? Did
1: you follow any of that? Did you, did you have any idea that he wouldn't be there the next year? Um... It was it was crazy, but I felt like a lot of it was was in house. But you kind of felt that. I think it was was when Favre was hurt and Aaron Rodgers took over against the Cowboys, and he actually played very very well. We lost that game in Dallas, but you knew they were ready to go. Right. Like this guy won't leave, but he just got us to the NFC Championship game. You know, and he he played outstanding that year too. So it was interesting to watch from afar, but the cool thing it was is like no one in the locker room really got affected by it
0: right and you you were slowly becoming their primary return man right in that second season and by the third year you were returning punts and kicks
1: no yeah because that's that was the thing that I was able to do that's why in college I moved to offense because I was returning punts and we lost a bunch of starters so my coaches were like hey man like we want to bring you on offense because you're the you know our most dangerous guy with the ball in their hand. so that was kind of how I ended up saving my career is because, right, we had plenty of DBs and I kept getting hurt and missing those kind of opportunities, but we never had a legit punt returner. And Charles would do it, but they were like, okay. They didn't want to use Charles there all the no, time. No, because yeah. he broke his toe one time doing it too. So I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is I didn't want to get my head taken off.
0: Well, yeah, who would? What, what were you... I
1: never want to use the word scared with with. You can an say that. There are some, player, what, no, there are some guys that are scared. Okay, I found that okay. out, please.
0: All right. Well, tell me what, what, what was the most scary kick returning or punt returning? Oh,
1: it's kick return by far. They, and um, I didn't know that, though. I thought it would be punt. There's that famous video of Troy Palamalu knocking somebody out at yeah. USC. I know, <laughs> you know I returning that. a punt. Oh, yeah. and, um, but kick returning, they have that full steam, but the, full yeah, head of steam coming out. No, at you. But, but that's the thing. You always think it's punt because punt, the ball's hanging up in the air, yep. right? And you, gotta make, you, you have to make great judgment because if you don't time it up right, somebody could have been let go free and they got a free shot and you're not even looking. But, yes, yeah, kick return, it's literally like running on the 405. <laughs>
0: That's a good way to put it's it. Just I'm guy, picturing that right now.
1: It's just guys boom, boom, boom. And then before, when you had the wedge, you had linemen blocking for you. So they would just run around the linemen and they get right to you. Right. You know? But once I learned, actually, I got smacked against, I think it was Tennessee one time. I think he split my chin strap in half. And then after that, I just, I was fearless. That, that made you more oh, yeah. fearless? Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, I got the worst now. Okay, so yeah, that's as bad yeah. as it gets. So it's like fine. when rookies, you know, rookie receivers, when they get their welcome to the NFL hit, right? right. It's like that. Once you get smacked, you're good.
0: Dude, I cannot <laughs> imagine on that level. You, you, had a, you had a punt return for a touchdown, I believe, your second
1: year. Yeah, and, and wait, if, when you go see it, you'll see how nuts I was. I literally caught it between, like, eight people.
0: Oh, we're going to put that video and up. And scored. <laughs> we'll find it. All right. They may tell us <laughs> to take it down, but we're going to put that video yeah, up. It's all good. So four years in Green Bay, you have a nice run there, and then it's, uh, and then it's off to the Giants, where um, you battled injuries during part of that time?
1: Yeah, so 2009 uh, in Green Bay is when I had that nasty knee injury. I think I did ACL, MCL, no ACL, LCL, and also like a partial dislocation, I think it was. Mm. And so when I came back, My 2010 for the Green Bay Packers, my knee never fully healed. So basically, you know, I couldn't even run on it. So I think they did an injury settlement. They let me go. And I I was like, damn, dude, because that was the same year they won the Super Bowl. Right. I remember McCarthy had the meeting. He had, like, the blank roster, and he was like, fill that spot up. This is our championship board, and that would have been it. So crazy thing is the next day, my wife— wakes up she goes I had a dream you going to New York I was like dude I'm gonna like, go to bed <laughs> she's Are like, you still in Green Bay at the time or yeah we work? were in Green Bay yeah, in, yeah. in our condo and then my agent called he was like hey man John's wanna work you out I was like get the hell out of here dude I said well I need about three weeks cuz right now my knee is like jacked up he was like cool they'll wait for it so sure enough I go out there and have a physical and I'm nervous I know my knees in not feel right and Dr. Russell Warren, I believe it was, he saw the x-ray and the MRI. He was like, dude, the ACL was put in wrong. It should have been more, I guess, on a, more on an angle. It was too vertical. And also, too, they did a cadaver, which there's a huge rejection because it's not your own tissue. Right. So both happened. So basically, come to find out, my surgery was not done properly in order to give me a best chance to come back. Right. Um, So I technically failed my physical when I went to the Giants. But he was like, one, he thought I was a a good guy. Two, I'm from Rhode Island. I guess he played for the Rhode Island Steamrollers, which was like in the 20s or something like that. I don't even know. And I told him I could run. So I remember I went and worked out. Who are you talking Are you
0: you talking about the doctor? The doctor and the
1: Giants. Okay. Dr. Russell Warren, yeah. yeah. And so he let me, he cleared me and let me work out. And you remember it was me and David Gettleman because he was he was the one there, yeah, part of the workout. And um, and here's what's crazy about Gettleman, is I swear he was he's the nicest guy I ever met in my entire life. He was he's like so affectionate. He like gave me big hugs. Really? Oh yeah. He was just a, he was the happiest go and go lucky guy. That's why it's so funny. Like all to these, see him get crushed now all the time. Yeah, he's like this this mean whatever type of guy and. I don't. maybe something changed when he became the full-time GM yeah. I don't know what it was but he was he treated me as if like I was Eli every time I was there but anyhow that day I ended up working now I ran I think a high four or five you know with a messed up knee and they signed me on the spot and um, I didn't finish the season because my knee just atrophied and, and went off and so I remember when the season was over this is why I hold the Giants in high regard when the season was over They took the waiver I signed up. I signed a waiver saying whatever happens, they're not responsible, right? Right. So I took the waiver. They did. They ripped it up. They said, listen, your knee is messed up, and we feel bad, like, how it looks. So we want you to pick any surgeon, pick any physical therapy place, and we'll take care of the bill. Hmm. And my my, uh, contract expired. I wasn't a giant anymore. So sure enough, um, they... We picked Curl and Job over here in LA. In LA, yep. And then I went to Sports Science Lab here um, in in Orange County, and yeah. And honestly, every time I sent the bill, they took care of it. This is during a lockout too. Oh wow, they, that
0: they, which is not something that obviously they had to do. That was just this they is didn't a have goodwill to. gesture. A
1: goodwill gesture. So honestly, from January to about August, they took care of everything, everything, everything. every single thing. And then Jerry Reese, the GM at the time, he was like, hey man, you know, people say it's a like courteous, but like, hey, call me when you're feeling better, you know, we'll work you out. Right. I was like, I'm calling your ass, dude, like, <laughs> believe it or not. And so 2011, when I got healthy, I called him up and said, hey, I'm ready to go. He's like, okay, you know, let's, let's see what happens. So I think it was a few weeks or months later, he brought me in for like a huge cattle call workout and boom, I never went home, signed me on the spot and that's the year Giants won the Super Bowl
0: and that is uh, a two year run there you get a super bowl ring and you know how that is i mean you come to nfl network or fox where you've done a lot of work and all of a sudden you're super bowl champ that's a
1: big deal yeah i mean you
0: do you don't d- did you realize at the time how important that would be to
1: whatever you did beyond your nfl life you know i to this day i still don't um, my wife slaps me in the head about that <laughs> She goes, anything you do, you need to wear that thing. You know, she goes, I'll be, I'll wear it at Target, I'll wear it wherever. <laughs> like you wear it all the time. I'm like, that thing is so gaudy and obnoxious. <laughs> you know, I, and she's probably mad I'm not wearing it right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even like think about it like that. You know, I was just trying to play, but it, it is, it is a huge deal. Even when I do like my wine videos, I announce, you know, Super Bowl champion and NFL wine guy, I say those things.
0: Well, it, you know, it's an interesting thing because, whenever. I remember when I was doing Total Access, they wanted me, every time I introed every guy, to, I mean, you're three-time Super Bowl champion Willie McGinnis, you know, future Hall of Famer, LaDainian Tomlinson. And I remember I I said that, you know, future Hall of Famer, and I remember one of the other players just said so. Are you just deciding he's a future Hall of Famer? Like who's deciding he's a future <laughs> Hall of Famer? And I'm like, well, it's LT, dude. Like he's a first ballot guy. It's a given. Yeah, uh, but but some you know. So I, at that point, I'm like, all right, maybe sometimes I'll just intro the guys. But you want to give everybody their their love. But I understand too. I I'm I'm looking at it as, you know, the the point guard who is distributing right. to all of you guys, um, not as the guys who have the rings themselves. But um, yeah, I, whenever you intro a guy. And he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not a Super Bowl champion. And you just have to intro the guy. And everybody else on set has some other accolades. Right. You don't feel bad, right? Like, no, you
1: do. I mean, you find some kind of accolade of or course. something, you know. But um, no, and I, I do mention it when I do videos because there's, there's always going to be a first-time listener. Absolutely. So that's why that's why I would do it. And I did not do that off the top of the
0: podcast. Super Bowl champion Will Blackman. Dude,
1: I'm in the wine world, baby. NFL <laughs> wine guy asked me. Oh, okay, here's what's crazy. So... When I went to the wine shop, this is earlier, uh, like November, and there was a tasting there. And this guy walks up to me, and he just look at me in my face. And he was just like, NFL wine guy. No way. I was like, yeah. He was like, what's your name? <laughs> I was like, it's Will. Oh, okay. Cool, man. Love following your wine page. I'm like, thanks. That's when you know you're doing it right. That's why I felt like I was like that's validation for me. I had no this guy had no idea who I was. He but he just knew the wine thing. That's
0: amazing. I I there's some there's so many questions I want to get into about wine but not no, before not do. before I ask you. No, we're talking about, ball. not before I ask you about your time. I'm going to just skip over the the Jacksonville years. Um I sure. want to get to DC cuz you know I'm a DC guy. I know you are. And uh 15 16 there I, I had left so I was there at the NBC station yeah. for seven years prior to you getting there, and then came to NFL Network in 2013 after RG3's rookie year. Um, and so you kind of got the tail end of that, that whole deal, right? Like you got, I got there
1: when he got benched.
0: You got there when he got benched in Cousins.
1: Yeah. Well, when he got put aside, we didn't get hurt, and right. they owed him money.
0: And what was... What was the locker room like when all that was going on? Or are you just so far removed from that and just worrying about yourself that you don't even think about it? Yeah,
1: so I, w- I came in the same year Scott McLuhan got hired. Yes, the GM. And I knew Scott from the Seahawks. That's where we had a relationship. And um, I think that that 2015 team, he he knew the, the roster needed reworking, so we had a lot of veterans on that team.
0: You went to the playoffs that year. Right. Nice. Yeah, so, we went to the yeah. playoff
1: because we had a lot of veterans. We right. had a lot of guys who, despite whatever adversities we had to deal with as an organization, we had veteran guys that just knew how to like come together and get it done. We had, I mean, we had a bunch of outcasts in that team, you know what I'm saying? And, and it ended up working out for us. So I think locker room wise, we understood like there's nothing we can really, we can't handle anything outside of what's going on here, because at the end of the day, we're the product on the field. Right. So they're not gonna watch film, be like, oh, you know these guys had a disagreement this is why this guy didn't play well they don't care about that it's the same way with injuries like oh this guy they don't care if you have a bad knee or not if you're out there and you're playing then you're 100 percent. you know and i feel like with that team alone we had just the right nucleus of people to go ahead and win the division that year so was that gruden's was that
0: gruden's second year there or was i think it was his second. second yeah it was his second year so you you, you play there in 15, 16. You had 10 starts in that 2015. Right, they threw me
1: right in the wolves.
0: And, um, and then after 16, uh, McLuhan's gone, and you were his guy, and you didn't make it through. And then I had forgotten that you went to the CFL. Was it a full season? Was it half a season? No. Was it a cup of coffee? So that, what was
1: it? It, it was a couple of Canada Dry. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> a, it was some ginger ale. That's all I got out there. I didn't even get coffee. <laughs> I didn't get any caffeine in that place. Oh, So, so it was crazy, right? So I remember I'm, I have a contract. I'm waiting on a contract from NFL Network. Right. Right? And I'm also waiting to hear from the NFL. And... In the meantime, I already worked out for a bunch of teams and they put, all put me on the short list, which I hate the damn short list. Cause I mean, it's, at least it's, yeah, we're interested, but it's kind of like, I felt like teams did that cause they liked me as a person and they didn't want to be like, oh, we're good. Cause I knew I did well, my workouts. And then Canada hit me up and I looked at it like, okay, this could be a situation where if I actually have some recent footage of me playing football, That could help me out because once you're removed for a while, then it's hard to get back in unless you have all the perennial accolades, you know, as Mm -hmm. an all-pro, Pro pro Bowler. And so, I was so reluctant to go. I called every, I called every GM for their advice. I called people who've been there for their advice, and I even talked to Scott McLeod, and he was like, "It's really good football up there. It's it is really good football. Just it's a different game. Like the field's wider, so the angles are different from getting Mm -hmm. hit and." The rules are a little different. So I literally got to the point where I was like, oh, all right, like I'll do it. You know, right. the guy was like, yeah, you come here, you're going to start first game, boom. So I went, I honestly went up there so reluctantly. Just and it was
0: Saskatchewan.
1: Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is funny because when I got, it's literally the Green Bay of Canada. Yeah. Everything is owned by the city, they're green. You have the plane, smells like manure. <laughs> like it's, it's 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 Green Bay, they have the they're sold out every single every single game, everyone is diehard. So it's a great place to play football. Where here's where I end up. I end up struggling with them is. There was tons of um, egos from the coaches. Tons. The coaches have egos oh, for the Saskatchewan Roughnecks. Massive, oh big time, man! It was it was it was crazy because, prime example. Practice was over. This and this is so dumb, dude. Practice was over, and they have mandatory cold tub. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. You know, a lot of guys aren't responsible to take care of themselves. And I pulled the coach aside. I was like, "Hey, I'm not trying to be like a problem." I said, "I haven't been in a cold tub in eight years. I don't take. I don't go in a cold tub. Like, I do other things for recovery." He's like, "You got to get in a cold tub." <laughs> I was like. That's why I pulled you in confidence. Like I'm right, trying to talk to you right, on the right. side and not cause a problem. He goes, "Well, you got to get in there. Cause if you don't get in there, they're gonna be like, Why?' They have to get in there." <laughs> I'm like, "They, they know why I don't have to get right, in there. Right. You know, I don't need to say it." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, you know, you got to do this." And then the other thing that was just one. It wasn't a big deal. I'm like, you know what? That's to, treating you like a child. Not, make, not a guy who's played.
0: You know, that's eight, what nine, I'm saying. I said,
1: "Okay, you know what? Today I'll get in for you. Right. You know, but you guys have to understand." You know, but that's what coaches in the NFL understood. Like, okay, you get a veteran, he's going to be a pro. You're right. And they, you have your own routine. Right. And so, anywhere I went in the NFL, my my reputation was, "Wolves a pro. You're not going to tell him anything. Right. Anything at all. And so, when I get there and I hear, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, I, and so, they had one rule if you're not on the active roster that week, you have to do one on ones every day after practice, which for me, it's fine. They got that high motion. Never seen in my life. The hell is that? Right. So what the hell is that? <laughs> so there you <laughs> go, man. I got you. I like you. Play on words. So <laughs> I, I was like, I want to do it. So I practice every day. I did the one on ones every day. And they say, once you're on the active roster, you do not have to do one on ones. Even when I was active, I still did the one on ones because I wanted to get used to all the weird motion. They, they, right. they get a full head start before they run off. So one of the weeks came and we're on this turf every day. I'm 34, whatever it is. And I remember my body was just like aching. And they're like, okay, well, you you know, you're not going to go this week. So one, I'm like, why am I not going this week? (laughs) I'm (laughs) here to play, dude. I'm here to play. After you guys begged me to come here to start, that's that's another thing too. They would not tell you who's playing. And it, it was crazy. So I remember I was like, you know what? You're going to do one-on-ones. I'm like, I was like, I'm not doing one-on-ones today, bro. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna. Go. you're not going to do one-on-ones? I was like, not today, man. I was like, I just don't feel good. Yeah. I did everything you guys asked. And this one day, you're not going to cut me slack. They're like, everybody has to do it. So I remember literally the other veterans did one-on-ones. I took my shit one side of the facility. and I was in the locker room myself. The guy was like, you're not doing one-on-ones today? I was like, bro, I did everything you guys asked. Like today, like especially if I'm not playing this weekend, like, right. like chill out. It goes, all right, man. So then if you're not on the active roster, you have to sign a form saying you're not up that week. So I go upstairs, and the form I get, it's a release form. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because the head coach, Chris Jones, was, was trying to make an example out of me. Like if you don't abide by my rules, I'm going to let you go. And it, it was just like. How many weeks had it been up there then? I think I had like four weeks up there. Man, you go to the CFL and you turn into a diva, Will. You see, crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And even I had beef with the the uh, DB coach, Coach Shivers, because guys are asking me questions. Like, hey, right. man, how do you play this? I'll say, just do it like this. And then he hears and he's like, no, man, you got to do it like this. I'm like, you got it. If they ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. Of course. Right. You know, Based on 10 years in the league. Yeah. So. So that's why I was done with that because it was just huge egos and I'm like, come on, man! I'm not one. You guys aren't paying us anything. Right. Two. I'm in another country. What? <laughs> what uh, I I generally don't like to get into
0: people's business, although every you know NFL salary is, is public. But like, what what's the league minimum in the CFL or what was it when you played?
1: I don't even know. Like like two hundred. I got. I think I got. <laughs> Not even. I think I got more at the Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: a lot, so a lot less. Okay. I used to work
1: at City Sports and when I showed shoes, and I think I got more there. I remember City Sports they had one of those in Bethesda. Is that a bo- that's a Boston-based company? I think I so. There. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, all right. So CFL, career's over, and you had been talking. Obviously, did you go to broadcast boot camp?
1: Well, I did go to the boot. I did go to boot camp. That year, okay, which is why I was in conversation, having a with conversation the with the network. yeah. So,
0: Broadcast Boot Camp, for those of you who are saying, What on earth is he talking about? is an awesome program that the NFL puts on for its players where they bring guys in like James Brown and Brian Baldinger, uh, Kurt Menefee. I was a part of it. And it's three to four or five days, and players who have an interest in broadcasting yeah. come in. And they get FaceTime with all the network executives. They get It's like a be-
1: wide-open audition, It's, a, it's amazing. They yeah. get a,
0: you guys get to put together a resume. like
1: Emmanuel Acho, Dan Olofsky. Like, oh, yeah, they all went through All went through, all it. All went through yeah. it, yeah. Well, I remember I remember when Acho uh, was there, and
0: we had, at the time, we had three hosts there. It was James Brown, mm-hmm. Kurt Menefee, and myself. And we would rotate through... The players that got to basically do a segment with us, and I basically felt like I needed to apologize to everyone who was in my group that they weren't with Menifee or James Brown, these two big huge names of broadcasting. But I was just, I was so impressed with the NFL putting that together for guys who had an interest in broadcasting oh, yeah. because it was it funneled people it to the networks, to NFL Network, to ESPN, to Fox. It was great FaceTime and I mean it led to two jobs for you
1: No, it did yeah and honestly I was gonna I was gonna go to the Vance one this year um, for, for that reason but um, yeah that's when I did go and so right after that I came back and ended up uh, taking that deal that was offered to me and that's when I started working at the network.
0: Well, and then
1: and then the wine thing
0: as we are now getting into your post-playing career. It was uh, Matthias Kiwanuka.
1: Were you roommates with Matthias we were, we were at BC? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Before you get that, though, I have one more football story. Oh, give it to Can me. Can I share it? Yes. Okay. It's actually football and media related. Okay. I love it. Okay. That. So one of the situations, opportunities I was given or offered was to go work at Sky Sports in London. In, in London. Yeah, right. which I did last year. Which
0: seems to me lo- it would be awesome.
1: No, and, and, but it was because of the boot camp. Okay. So I guess the I guess the MVP of the boot camp gets to work at Sky Sports. For, for a month, right? They I, you... went, I went for two months, actually. Oh, wow. They wanted okay. me for the whole year. I went for two months. And while I was out there, is because they have their own NFL division on Sky Sports. And I remember I was still working out, still, like, training. Right. And Like, training like you were if you were playing? Well, yeah, because yeah. we were actually talking to the Raiders. Okay. Because... They were trying to bring in some veterans because they felt like they had a Tino's ready to make a playoff push. So I'm talking to Mayoc, my agent, like we're all having conversations. And we all realized, like, okay, Will's in London. We're going to be in London. Will, you want to work out in London for us? No way. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. So Wednesday, I show up as a reporter. Friday, so you go work out? I go work out. <laughs> for Mayock and Gruden and for, all those guys? For Mayock, yeah, yeah, for all those guys. And another workout. And it's the funny thing. If a team says they want to work me out and not do any other, like, combine drills, I'm like, Psh, great, because, I mean, I would run. I told them, I was like, I'll run a 40. I don't care about that. Right. Guys get scared because they get older and they feel they got slower. I'll put it out there. I'll run, whatever. But it was just drills. Same thing. Just went off. I remember Deshaun Kaiser was the quarterback. throwing. The, he was throwing the ball over here to... Damn Ireland! I'm like, dude, just kidding. I'm like, keep, keep it in the field, bro. That's part of the problem with Kaiser. No, but that's what they wanted. So I ended up once again, killed the workout, and they were. I remember America was like, dude, I didn't think you were gonna look like that at all. So put you on the short list, right? Right, which means, which means, literally, the next. If you get the next guy get hurt, if the guy gets hurt, you're the next man up. So this this is 2019. This is last year. This is
0: last year last year. Okay.
1: Yeah. And put me on the short list, ready to go. It was awesome workout. So then later on, later that year, I get back to the States. And I remember I'm watching the Raiders. I, forget who, I think I'm playing the Chargers. Joyner goes down. Joseph goes down. I'm like, honey, Here we go. pack my shit. <laughs> I'm about to pack up my bag. Like, let's go. And then nothing yet. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. And then I'm like, what's up? Like, next man up. Oh, you know, we're going um, to work out some guys. Which is, I get that. Right. You want to do your due diligence, for sure. And I remember they worked out DJ Swearinger. And I'm like, DJ's going to work out really well.
0: Well, you played with DJ. I played with DJ. Yeah.
1: And DJ's is really good athlete. He's yeah. going to work out very, very well. DJ has energy that's like, infectious for people like they 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 love being around him because he he really cares about the game and i was like hopefully they still honor like okay will did really well and what dj has over me you know he's 28 yeah so i knew right away boom sure enough i heard that they are going to sign him because i'm signing caa media side right and he signed CAA football side and I found out, you know, okay, they're going to sign him. And I asked Mayock, I was like, what happened? He's like, I got outvoted. Oh, really? I'm like, how'd you get outvoted? You're the, GM. <laughs> You're the <GM>. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Well, we kind of know the structure in that he's, Yeah, He's like, I got and, voted and, he, and he's 28. Yeah. Um, Understandable. I get the 28 thing. I get it, you know, but I'm like, like, I've, I've been there, you know, I've been there before in terms of like how to build a team. Right. You know what I'm saying? So after that happened, that's where I was. Uh, last year, I was officially, officially done because what happened for me, man, it was like end up the politics is what made football not fun. Right. I literally was losing a lot of fun when I was in Washington because it was never about football. In, in Washington on the rest or of, everywhere. Yeah. No, no. On the Redskins spe- specifically there. It was never about football. And that's the part that bothered me a lot. It was just more so about the organization, the reputation, how we looked in terms of as a whole. It was never about let's just go play football.
0: Let's just go win on the field. Yeah. Take a quick break. Now to tell you about a few of our sponsors. Greens Plus has been a health food leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood into a bar, and they're delicious. I'm telling you, you're going to love them. You can detox your body, improve your immunity, boost your energy, and get the nutritional insurance that your body deserves. It's an all-organic, gluten-free, soy-free, premium green superfood. You can get it at Whole Foods or Amazon. Or if you want to be smart and save money, go to greensplus.com. You get 20% off using the promo code Helly. 20% off greensplus.com using the promo code Helly. I really love the chocolate protein bar and the wild berry superfood powder you just poured in your smoothie and it is scrumptious. At Vaco, the motto is we invest in your career so you are here for the duration of ours. Vaco is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. You need somebody to fill that C-suite position? Vaco has you covered. Their areas of expertise are aplenty. Accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, or international managed services. Founded in 2002, Vaco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. At Vaco, they do it right. How do I know? Because one of my good buddies from college, Brian Waller, was one of the founders of the company. And I've watched them build since 2002. And, man, it's been fun. This is a big-time company, and they can help you, small or large. Doesn't matter. Check them out at Vaco.com for more information on how they connect people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their business. So I started taking this product a couple of weeks ago called True Niagen to invest in my long-term health. And I think you should too. A trend in the scientific community surrounds the health of our cells. And this affects all of us. I'm talking about us, the weekend warriors to the pro athletes. We have something in our cells called NAD, which supports our energy and our body's ability to repair itself all the way down to the cellular level. Well, it turns out that NAD declines as we age. It also declines Overexercise, don't sleep enough, and even when we're exposed to a virus. There is only one NAD booster that is backed by Nobel Prize winning scientists, 10 published human studies, and regulatory approval for safety. And that's True Additionally, True is NSF certified for sport. Visit TrueNiagen.com to learn more. That's T R U N I A N gen.com to learn more it's worked for me and I think it can work for you so when you look back to those Washington years and you I'm sure read the story that came out did that surprise you at all
1: um I didn't. I didn't know to that magnitude because it's such a small area right. inside of Reskin Park it's so small like everyone's right there so um, you know I I don't want to say that I wasn't surprised. I'm not going to say I was surprised. It's just that anything that comes out of there doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it was... It's a tough place to place to play for a young guy because there, there's so much drama there. Even when Scott got let go, I called Bruce Allen, and I'm like, am I good? Like, am I going to have a fair chance to compete? He's like, what do you mean? He said, well... I know I was Scott's guy. I'm not your guy. And you guys just signed DJ Swearinger. So, like, what's the deal? After I thought I did a pretty good job as a safety, as my never playing safety in my life, I thought I did pretty good. And he's like, no, man, if you're here, you know, we, we want you to compete, whatnot. So I'm like, all good, man. And then obviously they, you know, had Sua, they had DJ, they signed David Brew. They signed all these safeties. I'm just like, dude, I'm like, all right, man. You know, once you again, surviving. It. Right. And that's you saw it coming. I, I, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say I saw it coming because I look at it too. I always take the responsibility. If I look in practice. Maybe one of my knockdowns in practice, what if, what if I just put my other hand and picked it off? Right. That could have given me a better chance, right? I, could, I probably had a really clean preseason game. Maybe there was one play where I could have did something extra. Maybe that would have helped me out, you know? So, but I just remember talking to my wife and I was just so miserable. I was like, dude, like nobody cares about football over here. And that's not, I'm, I don't play, I don't play just to say I'm in the NFL. It's the only thing I ever done. I played since I was six. It's the only thing I ever done. So, and so when I did get the call um, saying like, hey, we're going to let you go. I'm like, cool, man. They're like, can you come in the office and come see Jay and Bruce? I was like, hell no. I'm not going for what? You guys just told me what I needed here. I'm out. You, if you wanted to talk, you guys could have gave me a heads up a long time ago. Uh, oh, by the way, you're low, man. What's going on know, here, man? I, I know. Let me help you say. out here, man. Um, so I remember, too, later that night, I got a text from Bruce. He's like, hey, man. Um, Bruce if, Allen. Bruce Allen. If you don't want to um, come in here. He said, let's meet somewhere.
0: Like for a beer or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Let's meet. I'm like, all right. So I gave him a spot. I think we went to Parallel Wine Bistro in Ashburn. Mm-hmm. That was like my go-to spot because they had all the wine machines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we met up there, and, which, which that's the, I can't respect that. Like he wanted to meet in person. We had a legit conversation. And he was like, man, I didn't know how much, how, how people felt about you in the organization because there were people in that building pissed off about, you know, that they let me go. Even faculty, people who weren't in the football side, the operation side. So that was that was that man, and and I was just so so over it, because once once it starts becoming more about business, and people forget about the football part. That's where it's like, psh, like i mean I'm I'm not gonna live away from my family and deal with nonsense. Same reason why I left Canada. Like I'm not gonna do that, man.
0: Well, I, I feel like that was at least during my time there that that was a tough building to be in because there was always drama there was always something
1: extra going on and um especially when you've seen it right i've well you see what it really what it should look like when i was in the giants i mean that place ran so clean the year we won the super bowl same thing green bay historical place jacksonville wasn't was up and coming they were young they were still trying to figure it out that's why we had players come from seattle to the redskins they were like, what the hell is this? dude?" <laughs> they like, Drink when I say Helly. What the hell is this? There you go. Because um, in Seattle, God, that's, the, that's the most perfect place on earth to go play football. Everything's for them. Everything is for the players. No, no drama.
0: That was the best. And you weren't there that long. I wasn't. I was
1: just there for training camp, two yeah. training camps.
0: And that, that, that was the most ideal organization
1: out of the ones you played most. For? That was the most ideal in terms of like it's, it's very player friendly. It's just about the players. Was that because of Pete? Yeah, it was because of Pete. Yeah. Pete was like, Pete and John, they're like, no equipment-wise, no budget, whatever they need. Get all the latest stuff, get all the best stuff, get all facility, get all the right food, get all the nutrition, get everything so that these guys can go compete.
0: See, people I don't think realize that every NFL team is its own company. They're not all the same. So one can operate like uh, Morton's, and one can be operating like Subway. And right. some of them do. So there are actually times when you know, you got whatever you wanted from a, a standpoint of equipment and all that in Seattle. But were, were there times at other places where you needed to get something like, oh, we're not ordering that, or that's not available, or we got to wait a month, or was that an actual thing?
1: Um, I would say every team I went to, equipment was pretty was pretty <laughs> cool with it. Green Bay could have been stingy a little bit because yeah. those guys have been there forever. Right. So they, they ran a the tight ship, which is fine. We still got the best stuff there. Right. Um, but
0: food, food and facilities were very different, right? Food and
1: facilities were different, yeah. So it was just, it depends who you were. I'm, another example, I can say Jacksonville. Uh, I had a conversation with Gus Bradley when he first got hired. And he said he had a meeting with Shaq Khan. Shaq was like, what do you need, Gus? He said, like, what do you need? He said, look here, like, what do you need? He's like, well, I will let you get a new locker room. A new weight room, you know, a new medical, you know, training room and all that stuff. He was like, done. As soon as Gus was hired, broke around, they did all this stuff. Wow. Because that's what he wanted. It was about, it was about just legit because football. Because he was coming from Seattle. Yeah, it, it was legit about football, though, is what right. I'm saying, where, okay, Redskins, when we signed Josh Norman, Josh goes in the locker room, Josh is like, what the heck is this? So there's rumblings in the facility saying like, Josh thinks the locker room is terrible. We broke ground like a week later. <laughs> you talking
0: about the locker room in Ashburn? Yeah. Or, okay.
1: Yeah. Hey. He, and, and literally, we had construction like a few months later. Wow. Man, if, he, if only he had as much sway
0: on the field as he, as he did in the locker room. Then.
1: I know. It was, it was just different, man. It was... I, Josh did well when I was there because I understood Josh. So I would go above and beyond to help him out. I knew he was an aggressive player. OK, so let him shine, let him be aggressive. Let me hover over more so he can be aggressive. Right. Except there was one game we were in London. We played the Bengals, which was the worst game ever because it was a tie. <laughs> and he looked at me. He I remember he was he was in this in this coverage and he looked at me like I guess wanted me to hover over and do something. I'm like, not this play. He's like, come on, Will, let's go. I was like, bro, I said 75. He was like, what's that? I said, you make $75 million, dude. <laughs> I was like, not today. AJ Green's your guy. I'm going over here. You got to man up on him. <laughs> yeah. and I got to help somebody else. Yeah. I say 75. He's like, huh? Oh, I said, 75 million. That's yours. This is in the middle of this the game? Oh, middle of the game. Oh, yeah. And he knew exactly what you were saying? Know what I meant, yeah. There's, there's so many things, though. It's, games are funny. I wish everybody is mic'd up because funny this shit happens in games. That is hilarious. That
0: is freaking seventy-five. Ho- oh my god! I can only imagine He's like, Damn, I'm on my own island. He's like, is right that now.
1: a car? I don't know. Seventy-five million. He was like, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, any more football stories, or can we talk wine now? We can talk wine. I'm sorry, I, I can talk football forever. No, I,
0: I love talking football. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, just unload. If, the more stories, the <laughs> no, no. better for me. This is all this thing is for me yeah. is story time. Yeah. You know what this is? This is. I wanted to do this because when I loved hanging out in the green room more than anything. Yeah, and that's where you hear everything. That's where you hear everything. And so much of it revolved around rookie years and some stories you can't tell, some stories you can't tell. Some stories are on the field, some stories weren't. But that was my favorite part of the day.
1: So, okay, Okay. I got the perfect segue to wine. Okay. Okay, I probably told this story a hundred times, but not on the helipod. All right. So... People were like, hey, how'd you get serious about the wine business and or what made you get into it? And I was like, well, obviously, Charles Woodson was there. Charles Woodson has his own wine company, his own wine label, his own winery. And he would always take the defensive backs out to dinner mm-hmm. on every away game. And Did he pay for it? He did pay for it. Wow. Yeah. He did. So I never dealt with hazing with him. Anywhere he went, he paid. I love that. Or sometimes, you know, he'll be like, hey, well, can you get them? I'm like, yeah, whatever, of yeah. course. I will pay for you, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> You're my wallpaper, bro. Okay, yeah, exactly. Or Al Harris was the worst, though. Al Harris would come and sit down and eat with us. And then he'll, like, go to the bathroom and when go the to check his came. car. <laughs> no, before the, before the check came.
0: Yeah, but he'd be out of there when the check would come.
1: He would eat his food. So we used to, we used to go to, like, the Hooters in Green Bay, right. right? He would eat his, like, crab legs. And then he'll go to the bathroom and then we look outside, he's in his car leaving. Just the Irish goodbye. <laughs> the, like the Irish, Irish goodbye. to say bye to no one. <laughs> so Charles would always take us out to, to, to dinner, and he would always order, you know, really nice wines. And I don't remember any of them. I wish I recorded them then, like I do now. So there was one trip. It was 2008. We were going to Minnesota. And we stayed, always stayed in downtown Minneapolis. And they had this restaurant called Seven, which is a really nice restaurant. Mm-hmm and we went there they gave us a cool table in the back room i think there was like a fireplace back there and it was about i think four or five of us it was me shaman williams uh charles nick collins i think that was it maybe patrick lee was what i can't remember But i know it was us four for sure so we have our uh dinner order a bunch of wine this time mccarthy gave us a bunch of time because it was a short flight from green bay to minnesota and so we order, we just have maybe like four or five bottles of wine, right? Amongst the four of us. And then there's like a, there's like a club upstairs. We heard music and the lady's like, yeah, there's music upstairs you wanna go. So we go upstairs and we, she gets us like a little couch area. And then I remember we saw Joe Buck and Troy Aikman because they were calling the game. Right. So Charles orders more wine and then he actually orders shots, right? So we got like a midday game. So they come over and they have drinks with us. Joe and Troy. Yeah, um just they just came stop by just for yeah. a quick second. It wasn't like they sat down the whole time, and so we're there for a while. And the next thing you know, like okay, we got to get back for nighttime meetings. And I remember my head was just pounding and my eyes were so glossy, and I'm just like, oh. like dude. This is this is not good for me anyway. What
0: time of night was this right when you're leaving the restaurant? Like like 9?
1: No, it was like close to 8, I think okay. it was. I think meeting was 8, I can't remember. I definitely don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean my head is just pounding and that's and I, that's why I should have learned my lesson in terms of like you can't go places with these veterans because they they're just different. So my rookie year, we go play the Lions in Detroit and we go to the clothing store. And remember Charles Woodson, Al Harris, Nick Collins, these guys are shopping without looking at price tags. Oh, I want everyone's fighting over clothes. I want this. I want this. I want this, and they're just dropping clothes on the register. And I'm like, I want this. I want this, and I drop my clothes on the register. And I saw the I saw the damn price. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, I don't make that much yet, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, never again. Same thing. Go out with these guys for dinner, and they having all this wine. They're totally fine. I know Charles Woods, and. Um, so we go back, have our meetings, and I get up the next morning, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I feel horrible. And we got to play the Vikings, which I feel like is more of a robbery than the Bears, even though the Bears have the history. Right. Minnesota hated us for real. And I, that's, I never get into rivalries, Even though I was at Boston College, I didn't get into the Notre Dame rivalry. I didn't care about that. You know, it wasn't. It didn't motivate you. It didn't it. motivate. But I, for some reason, Minnesota drove me nuts. Right. I don't know what it was. So, okay, the game starts. I'm trying my best to hydrate, IVs, all that stuff. And boom, all of a sudden, Charles gets a pick. I'm like, that's Charles. Of course. Yeah, I mean, he, Charles can get a pick blindfolded. The, the ball just hits him in the face every time. <laughs> it's so annoying, man. <laughs> no. And then later that game, Tremont Williams gets a pick, who was with us. And I'm like, well, Charles, I mean, Tremont's actually, he's, he's playing very, very well. To, he's now the starter opposite the other side. Then later in the game, boom, Nick Collins gets a pick six. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? Shots. Shots, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, meanwhile, you know, I think my adrenaline's going. I'm, I think I sweat out all the wine. And then, boom, I get a punt return. Perfect kick. Boom, I catch it. I take it back to the house.
0: Oh, this was the, uh, this was the part return touchdown. The part
1: return, yeah, versus Minnesota. So we're in the sideline and losing our minds. It's like, damn, dude, we got to go every night and have wine. <laughs> so that did not happen. We didn't go out every night. But I do have a few glasses before bed as like a superstition thing. And I started getting wine. So now after meetings, when I would go get snacks, people would be like, well, what are you having tonight? So they knew like I was going to have wine before bed. Right. Um, but that's, that's kind of where the wine and, and the NFL thing really started of me sorting out uh, specific wines.
0: So you, you got into this mode where you really started enjoying wine. At what point did you say to yourself, I'm going to really take this to the next level?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say I, I enjoyed it, obviously, before that game, Right. Uh, going to different corporate events and different functions and what have you. And especially at these events, people would talk to me and try to school me up on the wine. Like, they were swirling, like, oh, look at the legs and, <laughs> and all that stuff like that, you know. And right. I'm like, all right, whatever, man. And so I will continue to research and try to learn stuff myself. There was one particular dinner I went out in Milwaukee. And I remember this guy was like, hey, man, I'm going to order Burgundy. It's the best wine ever. So we ordered it, and it was actually pretty good. So on my own... I went to another place later on, and I literally was looking for a Burgundy wine. And I opened the the wine list, and there's maybe like 40 Burgundies. I was like, "What is this?" So I was like, "Okay, maybe it's there's more than one Burgundy." So I pick one Burgundy, and then the the waiter brings the wine, and it's and it's a white wine. I'm like, "This is not Burgundy." He goes, "No, it is Burgundy." I said, "No, the Burgundy I had was red." He was like, "Okay, Burgundy is a region." He was like. They had whites and reds. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, dude. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. So th- I, that night, I went home and started like researching and studying. And, and that's kind of where I, I started getting a little serious to try to learn more information about it because I really wanted to know what I was talking about. I really love wine. And then later on, uh, that documentary on Netflix called Some. Psalm, yeah, that came out. And I was like, that is different. That's a whole nother way of looking at wine, understanding it, and evaluating it. These guys can literally smell it, look at it, taste it, and call it. Call the place, call the vintage, obviously the varietal, crazy. So one of the guys in that film, his name was Peter Neptune. He was one of the master sommeliers, and he actually has a school uh, in Costa Mesa. And I said, okay, when the season's over, I'm going. And I think we lost to the Giants and 16, and as soon as I came home, I took that class. And it was through the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. Mm-hmm. They call it WSET, WSET. I took level two. I just took jumped right to level two and ended up passing that with the merit. And that just changed everything for me. It changed how I looked at wine as a whole. And so, after I passed that, came back here for o- for OTAs and came back to the Redskins for the OTAs and. You were down the like rock eleven, twelve o'clock, and then we mm-hmm. had the rest of the day. So, Leesburg, Virginia, is actually a really hot region for wine. Like it, it does, it does very well. It's very known and successful. So, I would after practice, I would put on like my work boots and I would drive to Leesburg, Virginia, to like. Oh, Fab- you
0: worked at a winery.
1: Yeah, I would work at Fabioli Cellars in Leesburg, and I would get there and, and get my hands, feet dirty, and work on the. Right after practice, I would drive there. Because I wanted to learn like, the viticulture, I wanted to understand that. Thank you, Doug Fabioli, he, he's the one that hooked me up, uh, who allowed me to go on his vineyard and hang out, and pretty much became a mentor. And, and that's kind of what happened, man. I just kept studying and kept asking questions and learning more and more about it, and I became addicted to me. I think what happened was too, when I saw the film documentary, I noticed, um, I noticed all the history, mm-hmm. and I, I really fell in love with the history. And it was—it's very similar to how I fell in love with football, because my father had all these old VHS tapes, you know, with, you know, uh, John Facenda, Sam Spence. You know, I, I would sit there at four years old and watch these things. I was like, damn, this is so cool to watch the guys who paved the game for us. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Right. I want to do it because of the history. You know, obviously, I love the attention was cool and being, you know you know, a famous football player, but I wanted to do it because of the history. S- same thing for the wine. I thought it was so cool to see, like, the all the wars fought over wine, you know. Lives change from wine. Jesus, you know, served wine. Like, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. And, you know. And I had so
0: much about geography, too, right? That's what I didn't realize. So it is,
1: like, I, I will say, if you if you know your geography, you're already, like, more than halfway there. Yeah, Because that's how you can tell, like, what's what. As long as you know the soil, the climate of each area, then you're good. I remember my first trip to Napa, and
0: we went to a couple of different um, vineyards, and they, they brought out that, what's the wheel, like the, the, the with all the different uh, smells. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you, you smell your wine, and you, oh, I smell some floral, there's a little tobacco in there, and there was one, somebody said, little barnyard and i said what barnyard so yeah. barnyard is one of the smells that people use to describe wine i'm like why would you want barnyard but that's just something that some people pick up right those you know some people pick up floral notes some people pick up barnyard notes
1: so here's here's what i learned too i learned that it's not like you have a a natural gift like you don't just grab wine and you're like oh i get all of these things it's actually taught It's it's a taught process. So if you find a certain wine where everyone can find this one note, then when you're in a class like, hey, in in California Chardonnay, you're going to get a lot of oak. You're going to get a lot of butter. You're going to get a lot of this and that because that's that's what's known. That's the winemaking process.
0: The whole thing is fascinating, and I, I know next to nothing about it, but I can tell you this. There are a few places I would rather be on the planet than wine country.
1: Yeah, and not just I, yeah. Napa,
0: but all over the world, right, whether yeah. it's France or Italy. It's, it so
1: is. we did Santa Barbara earlier this year, and I just got back from Napa. And right, I could, I could live there easily.
0: Well, we, I used one of your—we um, went to Melville in Santa Barbara. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, which was great, thank you. We also did uh, uh, Booker.
1: Booker's um, great.
0: Booker's great. Did you meet Eric? No, he wasn't
1: there. Okay. He
0: wasn't there, but um, I did have uh, my favorite my neighbor. My favorite
1: neighbor. Which is really
0: I, that wine is to me is so interesting because it's so kind of smooth and silky, but when you let it sit on your tongue for a minute, it has a very different taste than just going down. Like that is a wine that if you didn't know anything about wine, which I really don't, you could just pound. Like, oh yeah. Smooth. But then if you let, then you, you get more of the tannins and more of like what's going on. Yeah, with that's,
1: it, a, with it. that's a, my favorite neighbor and the Harvey and Harriet is the other one that's really good too. Yeah, I have not tried that one.
0: I, uh, I, I could talk about wine for days, Will. Um, I am signing up for your MVP wine club. Did yes, the, name the right? MVP,
1: I, the wine MVP. So
0: tell me, tell me a little bit about the wine MVP before we, uh, before we wrap this yeah, up.
1: Yeah, so it came about because um, I initially wanted to have my own wine label. So everyone I spoke to that was a winemaker in the wine business, they were like, listen, you can have the best grapes, you can have the best winemaker, the best whatever. At the end of the day, you got to sell the wine. Mm -hmm. Period. So I was like, okay, well, let me go work at a wine shop and learn how to sell wine with the retail side. So long story short when the article came out i'm like okay i need to expedite this process and get going on how to get this done and the I,
0: article being
1: the usa today one
0: that mike jones wrote the about mike, you but yeah. uh, so being the nfl wine guy which was what two years ago
1: last year last actually year. yeah okay. being the nfl wine guy so the company okay. was going to be called nfl wine guy initially but i was nervous about the acronym nfl so i contacted nfl They're like yeah we need all this and i'm like okay i don't want to deal with it so i talked to our creative director Uh, patrick meyer and we came up with the wine mvp which i think works over all sports you know yeah i think it's great and i ended up partnering with the wine exchange because it would have taken me probably like six months to get my own distributor license wholesale license and so and they already had. they've been around for 30 years they're doing my fulfillment it was just easy you know for me and so the process is um i picked two premium wines and um, I pick them out, send them to your house, ship you included for seventy nine ninety eight a month. And what's different between my wine club and many is that I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of companies do private labels. Mm-hmm. So if you use apps like Vivino or Delectable mm-hmm. and you look up these wines, they will not show up because they don't exist. The private label wines. The private label right. wines don't exist because they buy bulk juice, they slap their name on it and they sell it. So yeah, you can get six bottles for 40 bucks. And it's great marketing. If you don't know anything about wine, you like, hey, I got a good deal.
0: Looks good, right? It looks
1: good. But I'm actually getting wine with history, because I want it to be a full educational thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's pretty much what it's like. Last month we had a wine from Laudacatena Catena from Argentina, and then a wine from Spotswoods in Napa. And both of those wineries have been been existing for over 100 years. Um, tons of history, tons of cool things about them and then, you know, you get two cool trading cards that come in there with stats on them and all that stuff. About the wine. About the wine and as tasting notes that I actually wrote down myself, which I got to get going, and do that. Myself. <laughs> how <laughs> uh, do we, how do we find it? Uh, go to thewinemvp.com. Okay. Right there. And at the winemvp Instagram.
0: I'm 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 on it, man. Yeah. Dude, congratulations on uh, your success. I love seeing what you're doing. We're all no, hu- we're it's all hustling cool. Right yeah, now, man. it's
1: cool. A lot of things are coming up. Uh, This year that I cannot announce, but hopefully, um, no, not hopefully. There are some things that are happening with a couple of cool magazines. But right now, fingers crossed, I have partners in an aviation company. and We're trying to bring JSX semi-private planes to Napa.
0: That would be amazing.
1: From Orange County and probably Burbank. And when does that happen? Uh, 90 days is the vote.
0: All right. All right. I have no sway in Orange County. I have no sway really anywhere. You well, got sway,
1: man. Yeah, you, you with know. me, man. You're good. Cheers, my friend. My man. Appreciate it. Thank you, bro.